Amen. Church. It is good to be in the Bronx. We, uh, you know, if you like somebody, you know, you know, drive a distance to go visit them, you know, 15 minutes, hour, whatever it may be. We drove 19 and a half hours to get up here to the Bronx. So we really like you. That's how much we want to be here. 19 and a half hours. And four hours is in straight rain the whole way. Coming through. But uh, like Sam said, I don't believe those rumors about the Bronx. This is the nicest city I've been in. I was driving around town, and there were so many people, they didn't even know me. They kept honking at me, telling me I'm number one. Everybody told me, you're number one. I was like, this is so encouraging. <laughs> oh, that ain't what that meant? Oh, my bad. It's still nice, though. But uh, happy Memorial Day to everybody. Uh, if you're here visiting with us today, we pray that this will be a great, impacting day for you. And if you are a member here, again, it still needs to be an impacting day for you. Uh, a day of building memories. You know, uh, there's a lot of things we can go back and think about. I think about the days uh, when I used to share my faith and I had goals of 100 people in a day. And I reached 100 people and I was happy. If I was at 99, I stopped by that one convenience store to get that 100 person. I mean, all those memories of all those things, that's when we were living on the cutting edge. Those things had to be done, we do it, whatever it was. I remember the day I got baptized. It was in a high school. And uh, it was very interesting. And then the guy that started Bible with me and baptized me, Sean Wooten, he uh, was on a mission team to Russia. So from Kansas to Russia on a mission team. And I was just so compelled, I gave him one of my football jerseys. And uh, so I sent him away with that, and then he called me and said, this first week in Russia, somebody stole all his luggage. Now I've been in Russia three times, and I'm still looking for somebody with my name on the back of that jersey. We're going to have some words. I know a few Russian words. We're going to have some words. That ain't yours. But it's just some memories we have, some good memories. Think about things when we were on the cutting edge. I remember it was one uh, uh, elder's wife, Diane Brown. And uh, we were all in the ministry together in Dallas. And uh, one day she came up to me and said, are you okay? I said, yeah. And she said, "Uh, you just look angry. I'm like, no, I'm fine. I'm just thinking. You know, my mind's somewhere else. I'm thinking. She said, yeah, but your face don't look like you're thinking. I was like, is that like an insult? What you trying to say? And she said, well, you just don't look happy. You don't smile. And you know what? Jesus drew people to him. And if you look like that, nobody wants to come and talk to you. So you know what? You need to learn how to smile. You need to go home and practice smiling. Here we are. 20 years later, I saw her at Reeks in St. Louis. As soon as I saw her. You know, there's some things that are said to you that become memorials for you that you remember and don't forget. Uh, I remember calling Sam Paul. You probably don't remember this, but I'm going to tell you anyway. I know you probably don't. I called Sam one day and I said, Sam, something's wrong with my wife. He's like, what's wrong? I said, she's just angry. She's cranky. She's just getting on my nerves. Something's wrong with her. 
He said, brother, was she like that when you started dating her? No. What about when you got engaged? No. Well, brother, you're the problem.
See, he was a student of Elijah. And Elijah, he didn't—he he wasn't just a normal person. He didn't even die like a normal person. There was horses and chariots of fire that came down and took him up. And as Elisha saw this, God then ushered in Elisha to be his successor. And Elisha got a double portion of Elijah's spirit. So Elisha, he was a powerful man of God. So now here's the situation. The, the ministry school he has, he's teaching these kids, he's teaching these students, and it just was too small for them. And they had to get a vision. So they said, you know what, let's go down to the Jordan. There's a lot of trees. We cut down some trees, some poles. We can expand our facility. This is what we got to start thinking. Because this is a great place, but this is not going to be big enough for very long. You got to look beyond this auditorium. See, y'all must not have heard what I said because everybody's sitting there looking like, what are you talking about? I'm talking about we're going to outgrow this facility and what we're going to do. And he said, let's go down there. Now, there was a mutual trust. Because Elisha said, you know what? I trust these students. I think you can do this. You can engineer this. Go ahead and do it. So he had trust in his students. But they also had a trust in him because they were like, you know what? We feel like we can do it, but why don't you come with us? We want you with us. So Elisha said, yeah, let's do this thing. So then they go there. And this is one of the amazing things. As they're there, one of the students is chopping on the tree, chopping on the tree, chopping on the tree. And all of a sudden, his axe head flies off and flies into the Jordan River. Bloosh. Now, at this point, he's thinking, I am never going to see that axe head again. And just think, if you were just walking along the Hudson River, and you start eating a hot dog, I'm kind of telling you my personal story here. And then, uh, what's the white birds I got here? She goes, they're pterodactyls. Because you start eating something, they came out like Jurassic Park. <laughs> Scared. Anyway. So say you threw your keys and you let it in the Hudson. First thing you're thinking, you're God. I'm never going to see them again. So here's this young student. He's out there chopping with his axe. And all of a sudden, the axe head flies off. And at that moment, he realizes, I just lost my cutting edge. I am no longer going to be effective in doing the ministry work that we're a part of. Now you got to think about this for a moment. Have you lost your cutting edge for the Lord? Not your willingness, because you are willing to do it. You wouldn't be here if you weren't willing to serve and do something for the Lord. Your willingness and cutting edge is two different things. See, we, I want to be in good shape, but unless I do something about it, it ain't going to happen. So you can want, want, want all you want. But unless you get on a cutting edge and do something to change it, nothing's going to change. So your cutting edge for God, are you still on that cutting edge where you will share your faith with 50, 100 people a day? Where you sacrifice the way you used to? Is that still where you are? Somebody challenged you on something and it's like, let's just change it. Let's just get this done. Are we still on the cutting edge? Or do we have to pray about it for a few months before we decide to change it? Do we have to get another person's opinion before we think it may be reality? Are you on the cutting edge? Or are you just wanting things to change? See, I want to talk about what it's going to take for us to get back on the cutting edge. Because in all honesty, you got three weeks. Because in three weeks, I'll be back.
say three weeks. I can't tell you nothing in three weeks. Let me tell you something. Jesus rose from the dead in three days. You can change whatever in three weeks. It's a matter of do you have the cutting edge desire. Now, of all the teens and stuff listening to me over here, we're going to have to develop this kind of relationship where y'all listen and engage in the conversation. Even those two sisters that's talking in that fourth row, they're still talking. Hey, listen. Just go on back there. Two behind my daughter and still having a conversation. Go on with your bad stuff. Your mama will have a discussion with you later in the day. You don't even hear me talk, do That's how I preach. I'm not, if, I, if I stepped on your feet, I'm sorry. Because I'm aiming at your heart. Because you got to get the whole congregation involved. Teams, captains, everybody. So I'm preaching to the crowds. Now, if I was sitting next to them and they still talking, I'd probably have to tell them to be quiet at this point. I'd probably say, I think he's talking about you. I am. So, let's get back to the cutting edge. Because I remember back in the day, somebody, baby cried, somebody would get up, pick the baby up, walk him out. Somebody start talking, you going over there and say something to them. See, that's when we were on the cutting edge. It wasn't just the preacher doing everything. It was the congregation working together to make sure things went right. This is where we got to get back to, brothers and sisters. So, that's what I'm saying. Everybody's going to leave. You shush them up. That's right. So, in order to get back to the cutting edge, I'm going to talk about three simple things today to help us get back there. First one is this. First, we must admit that we lost the cutting edge. You can't get back what you're not admitting that you lost. The first step for this young student was to admit that he no longer had his cutting edge. It, it slipped off of his axe handle, flew into the Jordan. Now he was busy doing important work for God, true, right? But he found himself no longer effective in what he was doing. So he had to admit it. Now, honestly, there are so many programs and they all tell you, the first step to recovery is admitting that you have a problem. And until we admit, I am no longer on the cutting edge, you're never going to get back to the cutting edge. And if you just became a member of the church, just becoming a disciple, you're not going to realize what the cutting edge really is if everybody around you is there. You're going to have to make this about you and Jesus, not about you and what everybody around you is doing. This is a personal relationship with God. You know, the first step, again, is just to admit it. Now, this young student could have reacted in a couple other ways. Let me tell you what I mean. He could have been happy that his axe head flew off. Think about this. He's sitting up there, and he's working hard, and everybody's working hard. Not just him. Everybody's doing their part. And all of a sudden, his axe head flies off. And he's like, that thing's gone. He could have been like, whew, I can't work no more. Let me go find a shade tree and sit down. Because I got a real good excuse right here. I'm not making this up. I don't have my accent. I don't have my cutting edge. So he could have been content with not being able to move on because of what life threw at him. Many times, life throws things at us, and we let that take our cutting edge away. You say, well, I'm about to start college now. i got to focus more on my grades. No, college, that's a lot of people you share your faith with. Well, I just started dating, so i got to make sure I learn how to do it right. 
No, you got to make sure you live a godly life. Well, I'm just, I'm married, so I got to make sure I got to take care of somebody else now. No, you need a godly marriage. Well, I'm over 50 now, and I got to slow down a little bit. No, you can be like Caleb, and still as vigorous as in the early days. Life throws things at you, but we cannot let life be an excuse for us to lose our cutting edge. Look at all the things life threw at Jesus. And he was still on the cutting edge. It said he resolutely set out for Jerusalem. He was determined to go places. It didn't matter what was going on. He was still focused on it. You got to remember, Jesus, he was able to read at a young age. And as he knew, he was going to die on the cross. So every time he saw crucifixion, he knew that's going to be me in so many years. You talk about life throwing a curveball at you. He saw it over and over and over again and never stopped. Life situations should not stop us from being on the cutting edge. But again, he could have refused to admit that he lost his cutting edge. And he could have just kept swinging that wooden stick. Even though it wasn't anything sharp on the end. He could have just kept going through the motions of chopping down a tree. He could have sounded good. People could have heard him hitting the tree. And they're thinking, man, he's over there tearing it up. But he ain't doing nothing. He could have just went through the motions. Guys, sometimes we can find ourselves just going through the motions. But remember you're on a cutting edge? I remember, I thought, if I miss a quiet time, Satan's going to come up and personally drag me to hell. If I miss one quiet time. I mean, because I knew I had to have a quiet time every day to be on a cutting edge. Is that still our attitude, though? Not only can you come get you, but is that the attitude of, you know what, I just can't miss one time with the Lord at all. I don't even need somebody holding me accountable. This is me and Jesus we're talking about. But is that where you are on the cutting edge? Now, catch this point. Look at uh, verse 5, 2 Kings 6, verse 5. He said, as one of them was cutting out a tree, the iron axe head flew into the water. Oh my Lord, he cried, it was borrowed. It was borrowed. Iron axes, again, were rare in the 8th century. Not to mention expensive. And this guy was a student, so you know he didn't have no money. So he had to borrow this axe head. If someone didn't loan it to him, he couldn't even do the work of the Lord anyway. Let me say this. God has given each of us talents and skills. They're all on loan from God. And God has not given any of us permission to stop using the gifts he's given us until he calls us home. So are you sitting there with so many gifts from God and you're just not even using You got talents galore. You got relatability. You got Bible knowledge. You got all kind of wisdom. You can do so many things. Are you using it? Or are you just sitting there with it, abusing it? Jesus is supposed to be your steering wheel, not your spare tire in your trunk. You got to ask yourself, what am I doing with what God has given me? Am I on the cutting edge? Well, what do you mean, on the cutting edge of what area? Well, let me help you out. Are you on the cutting edge in your marriage? What I mean is this. Is your marriage enough to make somebody want to go to church? Because they see something in your marriage that's so different that they want to be a part of something like that. I want to learn how, how can you interact like that? Why do you treat each other like that? 
How can you be so in love with each other? See, that's what you got to ask yourself. Is my marriage on the cutting edge? When people see us, do we even look happy? Mm. I don't know nothing now. Sam ain't told me nothing. I'm just preaching. What about your parenting? Are you on the cutting edge of your parenting? Or do we still that? Oh, that's just little Billy. Little Billy just going. Oh, I guess I'm not. I'm not in Kansas no more. That's Jamal. Jamal just going to go and do whatever he's going to do. And raising our kids. All of us do. If you don't think you do, you're not admitting or lost your credit. You guys have made a problem. But are we still inviting help into our parenting? Well, this is my kid. This is my baby. This is so special. You know, we know. It's special to everybody. But we all need help when it comes to parenting. What about your evangelism? Are you seriously on the cutting edge in your evangelism? Last time I was here, I talked about pulling people from the gates of hell. Pulling them across. Are you still pulling people? Or are they just sitting over there burning up? You got to ask yourself, am I on the cutting edge of my When was the last time I shared my faith with somebody? Not just invite them to church. I'm talking about sharing my faith. Why my life is different? Because of Jesus. When was the last time I had a Bible study? Not sat in one, but I initiated it and sat down and studied the Bible with somebody. See, this is what I'm talking about. This is the cutting edge you got to get back to. What about just in your openness? How open are you? Are you on the cutting edge in your openness? Or is it still that same old battleship, discipleship? Is that what you really mean? No. Q4. Well, is this what you mean? No. See you later. <laughs> are we on the cutting edge? Guys, this is the first step. You have to admit that there's a problem. Once you admit it, now you can start working on it. Amen? So the first thing we got to do, we got to admit that there's a problem, that we lost our cutting edge in whatever area it may be. Now, it doesn't mean your whole life is horrible, but it may be this area and this area, there's a problem. So I got to deal with it. Because if you don't, it's just like turning the light out. You can't turn out just this light right here. But there's other areas that's going to be dark also if you turn this light out. So if there's like one or two areas you lost your cutting edge, it will spread to other areas. So it's so important that we get back on the cutting edge. So the first thing, we have to admit that we lost our cutting edge. Secondly is this. We need to determine the exact place that we lost our cutting edge. We need to determine the exact place that we lost our cutting edge. I don't know about you, but have you ever had a problem with uh, uh, misplacing things? Yes. You know, I even talk to some people and they're like looking for their glasses. Where are my glasses? I can't find them. They're on your head. You just flipped them up. People are like, where are my keys? I left my keys in church. Anybody know where my keys are? But what's the first thing you ask somebody? Well, where did you have last? I mean, that seems like the normal thing to ask if you lose something. Where was it at last? Look at what it says here in verse 5. Again. 17.6 verse 5. As one of them was cutting down a tree, the iron axe head fell into the water. Oh my Lord, he cried, it was borrowed. The man of God asked, where did it fall? 
That's the same thing we're talking about. He said, where did Paul? In other words, where was the last that you saw? This is so important. If you really want to try to find something, you think, okay, where was it at last? Somewhere along the road, we just have a tendency to lose our contribution to building up God's kingdom because of situations that go on. But like this young student in our text, we don't plan on losing our cutting edge. That's not something we wake up and say, I think I'm going to lose my cutting edge from the Lord today. It doesn't happen like that. It's something that happens gradually. It's something that happens because of life. You know, in Matthew 26, 33, this happened to Peter. You have to turn there, but it says, Peter said, even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. Y'all remember Peter saying that to Jesus? Jesus said, everybody's going to deserve me and leave me. He said, no, 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 not everybody. If they all do it, that's on them. I never will. Then in Luke 22, verse 60 and 62, he denied Jesus once, denied him twice, denied him a third time. And the Bible says in Luke, on the third time, Jesus turned toward him and their eyes met. And he heard the rooster crow. You know what? That was a, a, a memorial moment for him. Because he heard that rooster crow, I bet Peter never ate chicken a day in his life again. Because everybody reminded him of denying the Lord. There are certain things that occur that just remind you of things that happened in the past. You have to know where you lost it in order to find it and get it back. Family, if we're ever at a point where you lost your, your cutting edge, and you may be there right now, maybe not, we need to remember what made me lose it. Let me give you some options here. Did you lose your cutting edge in Kids' Kingdom? You say, what do you mean? Well, I'm serving in Kids' Kingdom, but I feel like I'm doing all the serving. How come everybody else ain't serving? It's a big group. We need everybody to serve. Why I got to serve so much? How come they ain't doing something else? And so we all of a sudden get an attitude because everybody else ain't serving the way we serve it. And you know what? I'm just done doing this now. Mm, mm, mm. All of a sudden, his kingdom, the thing that Jesus said, bring the children to me, is now pushing you away from the kingdom. A lot of people lose their cutting edge in his kingdom. And I, based on how people ain't saying nothing right now, I'm probably touching on something. But I like that because I don't know anything that's going on. I'm just preaching. You may easily lose your cutting edge in your mission team. You know what? This group ain't fun no more. They're not exciting. They don't really teach deep like I want to be taught. They ain't doing the things I want them to do. I don't even know if I'm coming back. I may come every other meeting. Give them just a little bit. I may just show up. I may not be a part of it. I may just show up. Some people lose their edge in their mission teams. Which is the opposite of mission team. You're on a mission to do something. Some people withdraw. Some people lose their cutting edge because they're angry at another member in the congregation. You should have. Mm, I know he said that about me. You know she gossiped so much. Mm, that girl. Mm, mm, mm. And you don't want to cuss, so you say, bless their heart. You can become angry with another brother or sister that Jesus died for. And you, in turn, pull back and lose your cutting edge. That can't be. 
You know, some people get upset because the leadership doesn't think the way they think they should think. I can't believe Sam hired him. I wanted this person instead. He brought in this good-looking black dude over here. What's wrong with him? Just saying. So sometimes people get mad at leadership, so they have an attitude, I'm just going to sit back and wait and see what happens. If it works, I'm with it. If it don't, I knew it all along. See, that's not being on the cutting edge. That's not following Jesus. That's following your feelings and what you think. Some people lose their cutting edge because they get involved in personal sin. Something happens in your life. Some sin comes in your life. And people don't fall into sin. I, I want to make that clear as I'm here. People don't fall. Ooh, a bottle of bourbon. I fell into it. I like to see you fall into a bottle of bourbon. You don't fall into sin. You engage in the sin. So there's no, oh, it just happened. No, you sin. You have to admit it, confess it, deal with it. But sometimes a person sin and they don't want to admit that they sin and they lose their cutting edge. So instead of being a fired up, excited one, they just start kind of just, and then they just kind of there. That's somebody that's lost their cutting edge. Guys, you can't let sin, you can't let attitudes, you can't let anything make you lose your cutting edge for Jesus. So the first thing we got to understand, we have to admit that we lost our cutting edge. And then secondly, we got to determine where and why we lost it. If you lost it in your marriage, you got three weeks to get it back. If you lost it in your family, you got three weeks to get it back. And your mission team, you got three weeks to get it back. Now I'm, I'm going to say three because maybe there's somebody you got to resolve it with and they're out of town for the weekend, so you can't do it today. That's called grace. But you got three weeks to get it back. And then thirdly and finally, this young student, he did his part in getting his cutting edge back. You have to do your part in recovering the cutting edge. Again, chapter 6, 2 Kings 6, verse 6. The man of God asked, where did it fall? When he showed him the place, Elijah cut a stick and threw it in there and made the iron flow. Lift it out, he said. Then the man reached out his hand and took it. Now, Elisha was not a magician. But God had given him certain powers. Incredible, incredible powers. But all these powers were from God. Because God wanted him to have it. So let me, let me say something about God here for a moment before I get to my point. The first thing we got to see is that God is deeply concerned with you as an individual. With me as an individual. And there was an entire company of young prophets out here working. So God is not only making sure there's no raiders that come in, there's no wild animals that come in devouring them, but also making sure, you know what, this guy lost his cutting axe head, his cutting edge. God was concerned enough to help that one individual. Even though he was taking care of everything else, he still said, that one prophet is special enough to me that I'm going to take a vested interest and use the power that I have through Elijah to help This is what God is saying about each of us. This world is not so big that God is not looking at each of us individually to help. He knows your situation. He knows who you are. 
and he cares about you. That's what it says, 1 Peter 5, 7. Cast all your anxiety upon the Lord because he cares for you. Are you casting your anxieties and problems upon God? Do you have a concern or a problem today? Are you praying about it? Are you giving it to God? Are you asking other people to pray for you? See, God is concerned about you as an individual. He was concerned about somebody losing their accent. Listen, he's concerned about you. Now, you've got to remember this. God will cause a solution to any problem to rise to the surface. Whatever your problem may be, God will bring a solution to the surface for your problem. He lost his axe head. Elisha threw a stick out there, and this iron axe head floated up out the water. Unbelievable in itself. Floated up out the water. Now, let's just be honest. Elisha had enough power. He could have made the axe head float completely out the water, over to his stick, and just land on his stick. He could have did anything. He raised the people from the dead. Surely he could have did something like that. But that's not how it worked. Because once he lifted up out the water, he said, now you go get it. See, so many times we like for everybody to fix our problems for us. Here's my situation. You are the new spiritual ATM. Oh, no, I'm not. You got to understand, God's going to do his part, but we got to do our part and get him back to the cutting edge. He said, lift it out. And he reached out and took it out. He didn't say, well, wait a minute, Elijah. Can't you slide it over a little bit further? He said, wait a minute, Elijah. No, he didn't turn it back on him. He didn't say nothing. He said, oh, there's my cutting edge. I'm going to go get it. And he got it out. Now, many people have adopted the motto of the world when it comes to church. You remember back when President J.F. Kennedy gave an unforgettable speech when he said, ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. Well, today a lot of people say, what will big government do for the people? Whole different philosophy. Well, in the day, people would go to church to find and serve God. But today, people go to church and say, fix my marriage, fix my kids. You don't have a program I like, I'm going somewhere else. People go to church for selfish reasons, not for godly reasons, but for what they want instead of what they can do for God. We gotta understand that cannot be our idea or philosophy at all. This is a great text. I'm glad it's in the Bible. But honestly, this student could have avoided this problem altogether. If he had just taken a personal evaluation of himself, of his equipment, he could have looked at it before he started working and said, This accent is kind of loose. Let me get some vines and tie it around. He could have did something to prevent this from even happening. God would not have had to work as hard as he did if this guy had taken a personal evaluation of himself. You're going to have to take a look at yourself today, tomorrow, before three weeks is up. And you're going to have to ask yourself, have I lost my cutting edge? And what areas have I lost? My family, my evangelism, my marriage, my parenting. My giving, my sacrifice, my joy. Am I not as joyful? Why? What's wrong with my joy? I don't know. But you have to take a personal evaluation. Because if you do, just like this guy, it could not have 
It could have all been avoided. It could not have had to happen. But we have to first admit that we lost our cutting edge. Secondly, we got to remember where and why did I lose it. And then thirdly, we have to do our part in getting it back. We can't just pray and God, you just handle it all. God will bring a solution to the surface, but it's still up to you to reach out and to make that change that needs to happen. A new book in the Bronx is going to be written in three weeks. You have between now and then to write your personal introduction to that book. Because it's all going to change. And I hope you're busy with us today, but I hope to see you again in three weeks. That's right, I do. I will be looking for you too. I'm looking right now with a smile on my face. Because it's got to change. We are the light in this dark world. If you've lost it, get it back, and let's all give God the glory. Amen.